Hola. It's the mayor of Slam Town, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Yo, 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 how's it going out there, people? This is another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which me and my wonderful co-host talk about professional wrestling. So before we move on, obviously, to that said talk, I want to introduce you to that said co-host. What the fuck is up, Christopher Ray Patton? How you doing, sir? Not much, man. I'm doing great. Drinking a hopness monster Indian pale ale and getting ready to talk to you. How you been, man? How things going? Going good, man. Slow. Uh, well, no, it's 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 been a very busy week at work, but a very slow process between the days. You know that type of week. But uh, you know, hanging in there, man. Uh, watching a lot of wrestling. Uh, man, we're about to. I've been watching so much wrestling lately, Chris. Like, I think it might be an issue. Um, I watched so much of the G1, catching up on all the big matches. I've seen the semifinals, at least those matches. Um, the two leading up, obviously, to the main one, uh, probably about three times, maybe four. And I saw the finals, like, I don't know, four times. I watched Impact from last week. I watched Lucha Underground. I even tried World of Sports, which is uh, Britain's new one, trying to revive the old brand, if you will. They got Will Ospreay and a lot of other guys, um, Debbie Boy Smith Jr., um, just a lot of great dudes over there in the U.K. So I just basically been watching way too much fucking wrestling. And then also uh, Ron Smackdown, too. Um, can't forget those things. But, um, yeah, man, uh, I guess let's start talking about some wrestling. Does that sound good? It sounds awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's start off by reviewing some stuff. Um, or not, not, not so much reviewing, but giving our take on each match for this weekend being the SummerSlam weekend. Uh, we got TakeOver Brooklyn and obviously SummerSlam. Takeover Brooklyn, uh, I believe, is uh, is five matches, and it's in three hours. SummerSlam has 13, could get a 14th, and is six hours long with a two-hour pre-show. Um, I think that's all included. Right. Hopefully, or I'm going to hunt down some type of a wild animal and just let it beat me up. Because I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> hurt it. That would be, I'm not like that, you know. Well, my hunters or anything like that. I could just never do that shit. Either way, why don't we talk about TakeOver? Because, you know, that's the first thing um, to look forward to. And, yeah, might be the only thing. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff on SummerSlam, people. All right, first match, Chris. Velveteen Dream versus EC3. Um, I'm kind of surprised, based on his body type, his experience, the fact that he wasn't already in NXT beforehand. His charisma, I was surprised, actually, the EC3 went to NXT. I think, like, maybe even Elias to an extent, he's one of those guys that seems like he'd be better on the main card, even, you know, in whatever whatever way they use him uh, for mid-title or, or whatnot. Uh, it seems like he should have gone just to main card. It seems like NXT is a little bit different atmosphere. Obviously, we know that is the place for more of – you know, you're more independent wrestlers uh, that are coming through the ranks and coming to NXT to go to the main. So, 
what I'm trying to say is I think that Velveteen Dream is actually going to win. I think Velveteen Dream, I hope they don't pick him soon. I hope they just let him simmer. He's only 23 years old. We've said this a bunch. You know, he can have plenty of time to kind of grow and then make a huge impact when he goes to the main stage. Um, but what I'm trying to say is I think since Dream has lost to Ricochet, to Aleister Black, you know, I think he had a win against Cassius Ono. I don't remember. That was a little while ago. I think it's his chance to win this time. And I wouldn't be – I don't think it would be weird if, if not – uh, immediately, but soon EC3 makes his appearance on either SmackDown or Raw. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Velveteen Dream. Chris, what do you think about this match? I mean, I feel like this is definitely a match where you could see Velveteen Dream come out on top, just because, of, like you said, how he's been booked previously. The fact that he is one of their biggest stars, if not their biggest, I guess you could make a debate on you know, him, Adam Cole, and Ricochet right now, as far as people who could be on the main roster very shortly um, with Aleister Black being hurt, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, EC3, I, I don't think he's really gotten his character across in NXT. I think this is more either setting up a feud for possibly, you know, the North American Championship uh, down the road, or it, it just depends on where they want to go with it. But I'm assuming whoever wins this match is going to make you know, make waves as far as in the title picture. Um, I'm going to assume, although I hate saying, I hate assuming anything, but I'm going to go out on them and say this is probably going to be, you know, the competition between, depending on if Cole retains the title or not, whoever's going to be going against Cole or Ricochet um, is going to come out of this match. That being said, I, I think that this would be an easy way to build to Velveteen Dream versus uh Ricochet after an Adam Cole rematch. So you could see, I could see a couple matches between Velveteen and EC3 um, kind of building into that, but uh, you know, it's 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 not, I'm not super excited about the match. I'm excited to see if Velveteen Dream can have a high quality match with EC3. I've, I've never been a huge fan of EC3. Uh, I thought he did some decent stuff in TNA, but I, he never really appealed to me that much. So, curious to see, you know, what one, what they're going to do with his character going from here and to, you know, the winner of this match, I'm assuming, like I said, will be put into some sort of title picture. Um, so I'm interested to see where it goes, but I, I have Velveteen Dream pegged here as winning as well. Yeah, I think EC3 is definitely one of those guys, and I don't exactly know what his gimmick is. I feel like it's a really rich guy. There's a lot of cocaine um, over at his penthouse <laughs> apartment in videos by the pool and shit. But I feel like he's one of those guys where his wrestling ability isn't the greatest, but I think his charisma and, and his, I don't know, man, he's just, he's got a lot. He, he seems like a very intense dude. So I think that gets in some yeah. places. I just feel like the look wise, and you know, what I'm talking about like Vince's kind of standard and style and shit like that. He could go up. Uh, I wish, and I don't think it's going to happen. For one thing, we all know that Bobby Roode is dying on raw right now. And he was amazing. We have another glorious one, if you will, coming through the ranks of NXT. I think it's time to flip Bobby Roode, give him new music, get rid of the glorious thing so the audience can't fucking sing with them. And maybe if if you're not going to get um, Lance Storm, if that whole, not Lance Storm, James Storm, if that whole rumor wasn't actually happening, maybe put him and EC3 together in some type of uh, power and glory style concept, or maybe a faction, Uh 
You could totally try to rip off the four horsemen and throw the fucking, um, oh, God damn it, the revival in there or some shit on Raw and, like, be, I don't know, maybe, there, there's, there's stuff to do, and I'm just trying to get this in a roundabout way to save fucking Bobby Roode, even though it had nothing to do with TakeOver or what we were talking about. So we're going to back up, actually, and go on to the yeah. next match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, with, so I mean, EC3's gimmick in TNA and kind of what built his character originally was that he was Dixie Carter's nephew, I believe, was the gimmick. So he's supposed to be kind of privileged, and they built off Dixie Carter, but they've done really nothing with him as far as gimmick on NXT, other than you know he's just kind of snobbish. Hey, he he comes off like Miami Vice. Ted DiBiase, if you will, like that style of rich fucking douchebag guy with the money. Um, kind of like a 80s villain that you'd see in a fucking Lethal Weapon movie or something like that. God, I'm really painting a bad picture for him. I do like EC3 to an extent, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, he's, 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 he's some cheese, but that's why I said, man, I think it's all the blow he does. Um, I don't actually know <laughs> if he does blow or not. We're going to actually move on to the next match, the NXT Tag Team Championship match. I think this might be one of the ones that I am most looking forward to. The Undisputed Era uh, versus Mustache Mountain. Uh, well, I, I don't – see, the thing is, it wouldn't make sense that the U.K. team, Mustache Mountain, would win um, based on the fact that they're starting up the next NXT, NXT UK, very shortly, and they're in the process of doing that. So it seems like they would be the, one of the top teams to go for the titles or at least hold them um, at first, maybe they want them to be the champions to go over there, make a big impact, kind of keep on going with this feud. They lose the titles and then win. I don't know. Maybe double their titles. I don't think they're going to do that. I, I feel like this is going to be the undisputed era. Um, I don't know how exactly they'll win. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about the undisputed era is that they can either do some heelish at shit with uh, Adam Cole interfering. Or Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly can just bring it and just win by beating the shit out of them, like they did last time with the whole controversy over Tyler Tyler Bate not coming and uh, interrupting that hold for their last match. I get it. They're trying to create a story. Some stuff just comes off a little wonky. I think this is going to be way better of a match. And they've already had two excellent matches. Uh, Chris, I'm going Undisputed Era. Who are you going for? I'm going Undisputed Era as well. I feel like this might be kind of an implosion of Mustache Mountain or the beginning of one, um, starting a feud between Trent Seven and Tyler Bate to put on UK TV. I don't know that they're going to have a <clears throat> tag team division there right off the bat, so it makes sense if you're going to build a feud, you can start doing it on TV and uh, kind of move them out. And I doubt that they're going to flip off the title that many times. Uh, NXT is not really known for doing that, so... Uh, I, w- I would think Undisputed Era is going to hold the titles here. Uh, yeah, so well, I think you get brought up some good points as far as you know interference and 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 a little bit with a few that they were you kind of hinted at with you know uh, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. So I'm like a, I'm kind of with you. I think in this Undisputed Era. So they're not going to flip belts. So you're saying that Sasha Banks is not going to join the Undisputed Era anytime soon. That's what I took away from all that. Um, cause she, <laughs> she puts the fucking belt right back. I feel bad for Sasha, but that's what she's known for. Winning and then losing immediately afterwards. NXT Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler versus Caddy Thane. Um, I wish that they were given to Caddy Thane, but I feel like Shayna's going to hold that belt 
and maybe they'll be doing something involved with her. And if Ronda wins, especially keep the belts on the two friends or some shit. And I don't know. I I think that there's reasons to keep it on Shayna, but I think that I would rather see Kyrie win this belt and be the champion. I think that she'd be awesome at the champion. Regardless, this should probably be, to me, a proving statement for Shayna if she really has come along. I think she's gotten better. There's definitely room for improvement. I'm not a wrestler or a badass MMA fighter trying to become a professional wrestler later on in my career. So I can't judge her that much. I just know she's working with a tremendous worker that should be able to expose her if that happens, but also enhance her. Uh, so we're going to see. And uh, like I said, like uh, Carrie to win it, but I think that it's going to go to Shayna Baszler. What do you think? Uh, I think this could be Carrie going over in this match. I, I just, it, to me, it makes more sense. Um, and then having Shayna battle her way back to get the title. Uh, kind of reminiscent of, yeah, uh, Charlotte Flair and, and what they did with uh, Charlotte and Sasha, uh, doing something similar to that. But I, I don't. I, that one, this one's a hard one because like May Young Classics in the Loom, right? So, and I know Carrie Zane's in that. So it it just depends on what they're going to do in the actual classic. Because I don't know that they're going to want their champion to be in the actual tournament itself. So if you look at it that way, you have a you have a good reason to keep it on uh, Shayna, because I don't believe that she's a Mae Young classic, right? I'm not 100% sure. Um, I can look it up real quick if you want me to. Yeah, let's pull it up and take a quick look. This is the one for... I'm going to look up the final point. I think they're done, yeah, man. So the one sh- girl got in badly during it. Yeah, Shayna's not listed, but Carrie is, so this could be one where you get a weird... I believe she is. Maybe she's not. Maybe neither of them. No, okay, neither well, of them are listed into the tournament. So too. that kind of puts intrigue on who could possibly win between the two. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They were the finalists last year, so it would make sense, I guess, if they took them out of the whole entire thing, especially since one of them was the winner and the other one could still be the champion. I don't know exactly how they'll do it, but it would make sense they would exclude them from this year's tournament based on that. Um, looking forward yeah, to I mean, match. I, and it, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, it makes makes more sense. This match makes more sense. I think that now, now that being said, I think you could see the title switch, no problem. Um, because they would just set up a rematch before whoever wins the May Young Classic getting their title shot, which I, I haven't, with all the G1 stuff, I haven't kept up with the preliminaries that they've done. I think it started earlier this week, right? So, yep. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. That's a weird That's a weird thing. Yep, I agree. And we'll be covering uh, definitely some of the May Young uh, Classic probably in the future one that it, they record it and then it airs and I'm trying to keep my ear away from some of the results. I don't know what Chris is doing, but um, obviously when it airs, we'll definitely review, uh, you know, at least some of it. Um, let's move on to the NXT North American championship. I'm really looking forward to this match. I know these guys have definitely gone after each other before in the past, probably in ring of honor and whatnot, but you have the champion Adam Cole, baby, 
versus Ricochet. Um, I think it's, I think, and we kind of were talking about this a little bit. I think Velveteen Dream wins. EC3 either stays and kind of gets another storyline or moves on. But Velveteen Dream goes against whoever wins this. Ricochet beats Adam Cole for the belt. Adam Cole gets put in the main title uh, picture. And Ricochet then feuds and has Velveteen Dream, Ricochet 2 for the belt. I don't know if you give it to the Velveteen Dream or you try to – he ends up losing, but I think that that, that could be a fun place to go. Um, love Adam Cole. If he keeps it, he keeps it. You know, Ricochet, I don't think – well, he lost technically the first match, but that was a uh, ladder match. So, I mean, that's that's whatever. You know, he beat Velveteen Dream. I don't – and he's beaten all his TV matches. I don't know if he's had a major feud besides that. Either way um, – I'd like to see Ricochet win this one. Chris, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think this could be just building Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. Um, out of it, you know, it just it, they do with that first match, and you'll kind of have the answer right off the bat. But uh, I could see, you know, with Aleister Black being out, uh, thrusting Adam Cole into that title picture, depending on what they, you know, with what they do with Ciampa and Gargano after that, because I. I wouldn't think that after their match, you know, at TakeOver, I don't think that those two are going to be seeing a lot of each other for a while. This will be, what, their fifth match, fourth match, or fifth match? Singles match, the uh, Ciampa and Gargano? So, fourth. So, I would think that, yeah, I would think that they have to go somewhere else with it. So, going Adam Cole would make sense, getting the belts off him, or you could, you know, go the route of, Moving Ricochet up if he takes the loss. Uh, it could be a cool yep. thing if, if you know, Undisputed Error in general loses. Both 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 uh, Cole and Undisputed Error lose. But I, I would think you could see you're going to see one of the two lose, and, and it makes sense to me. Ricochet's really really popular. You can do another Adam Cole match, and then Adam Cole move to you know the main and set up Velveteen Dream versus uh, versus Ricochet for the North American Championship. Which so I'm going to go Ricochet. Um, I'll probably regret it after the match happens. But uh, one thing to be certain, this is probably going to be the match of the night. I have very high expectations of the match, so hopefully they will hold down. Well, good segue, because it's either going to be that match or this match that, that we're about to uh, talk about. The NXT uh, championship match, Tommaso Ciampa, the champion, the Sicilian psychopath versus... Johnny Wrestling himself, Johnny Gargano, in a last-man-standing match. Basically, um, it was supposed to be a three-way, obviously, and unfortunately, Aleister Black uh, had a groin injury from something that happened in a match. Um, they did turn it into a kind of whodunit-style video and then broke it down on um, WWE's website and their, their Facebook, where Kelly, I forgot what her last name is, the lady that hosts that show, she went over each person that was there. And throughout the whole entire thing, William Regal gets word, hey, Aleister Black is face down, he's unconscious, we don't know what the hell happened to him. When he leaves, Johnny Gargano is coming inside the building. Uh, you see that, you know, a bunch of different people are around, uh, you know, uh, Undisputed Air or in a car, like, dipping out right when this whole entire thing happened. Uh, you see, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lars Sullivan, you know, just acting like an ogre in the background. So basically there's so many people that this could be of 
who, you know, attacked Aleister Black. So I think that's cool. Um, I remember they did this in the end of the Attitude Era with Stone Cold to get him out because he had an injury. And unfortunately, when they came back to who did it, uh, they came out with Rikishi um, because he was a happy, big, big fan of The Rock. I don't. That's your cousin. Okay, whatever the fuck. I have no idea. Really bad ending, basically. But I'm happy that they have something for Aleister Black to be doing. Oh, yeah, Ciampa was also there, too. He was uh, he was doing his own thing, just being a guy with a large beard, scaring shit, scaring children somewhere. Um, so I like all that. With the match, I think that they wanted to just do a three-way and kind of whatever happened would keep on going with the story of the two of them, Ciampa and Gargano, and they're kind of forced, and we talked about this last week, to do whatever now. Uh, last man standing, it's like they've already done, what, like a Tennessee death match and a fucking hardcore from hell match? I don't know. So now it's last man standing. <laughs> that, that, that's fine. These guys know how to beat the shit out of each other. Uh, much, it's, it's amazing. You know, it, they've always said, I've heard many wrestlers say that when it comes to wrestling, the snuggest matches are either between two guys that don't like each other, obviously, even though they're professional and they don't go all the way, or two guys that are best friends. And, you know, seeing what Gargano and fucking Johnny can do to each other or what Kenny Omega and Kota Bushi can do to each other, it's, it's pretty amazing in wrestling. I was like, all right, well, now we're going to kill each other. Um, so this should be a damn good match. I do uh, I have no idea how they're going to outdo some of the stuff that they did in the, the previous match, but I hope it ends up on Johnny Gargano. Don't go down the, you know, like I said, you know, I like what they're doing with Eddie Edwards and impact. That's the route he's going. This could be a way of just saying, fuck it. Let's put it on Johnny baby face the shit out of him. And then maybe he goes down a dark path because he's actually the one who took out Aleister Black when Aleister comes back. I don't know how long they're going to keep Aleister Black. There's a lot of questions. Um, but I, if they were trying to extend a feud for a match between the two of them, you would think that if they're pushing it to now, they're going to do what they were going to do later now, if that makes sense. So, uh, Chris, what do you think about all this? Do you think that uh, Johnny Wrestling could be our NXT champion at the end of TakeOver? I still think Ciampa might hold it here um, and possibly injure Gargano to break that feud up for a while. That's going to be my prediction. As far as, you know, it's it's very reminiscent of that the Hideo Itami storyline they did where they kind of played it off as Kevin Owens did it, but there was no proof. And they, they did a very similar storyline to what you were talking about with Stone Cold. But the payoff was never given to us. So if they decide to move, you know, Aleister Black straight to Maine, they just won't, they just won't ever talk about it again. <laughs> like, they'll just go that route. So I'm not... Too worried about what, the payoff what if of it? it was Randy Orton? He came there <laughs> yeah. to focus from his giant mansion after touching his genitalia and trying to get Aleister Black to shake his hand and saying <laughs> that he was big leaguing him. If you guys know about that story, that made sense. If not, go look it up. I'm not explaining it. Anyways, and of course Aleister Black was like, no, try to go for a black mass RKO out of nowhere. That's all it is, you know, instead of him being back behind curtains, staring at Jeff Hardy from afar um, or trying to get writers to touch his genitalia hand, he actually attacked Aleister Black, Chris. That's what I think. 
<laughs> I think it was it was actually Seth Rollins setting up a feud between him and Triple H at WrestleMania again. Oh, oh God! Uh, <laughs> all right, well let's let's uh, let's go over SummerSlam, man. This is uh, 14 matches of our life. <laughs> um, uh, and there might be another one added. I forgot who it was, but if I think about it, I'll, I'll mention it. Obviously, but. Uh, we got Rusev and Lana versus Andrade Cianamos and Selena Vega. It's the kickoff match. I actually think as long as the female counterparts are not in the ring, it's going to be a fun match. But I feel like Rusev Day is going to win unless Aiden English comes and fucks shit up. And then we'll finally see Rusev rip him in half like the Hulk did the Wolverine. Um, who do you think is going to win this? Is it going to be Rusev Day? Or uh, I forgot how to say that cool uh, nickname in Spanish for uh, El Idolo. There you go. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna go with uh, Andretti Cianamis, just mostly because I I don't know what they're gonna do with Rusev, and they don't really have any plans for Lana. But I do think that they see a lot in uh, Andretti Cianamis, and uh, it's not really gonna hurt Rusev because he's. It's. I mean, it's an intergender match. So the cool thing, I kind of want to see, you know, what Selena Vega does in the ring because I find her very entertaining. Um, but, yeah, I think this will be a pretty quick match. And uh, I don't know. I, I would say the heels get the win here, start the night off. Nope, heels get the win. I hope they get the next one too because uh, our next uh, kickoff match is between the B team and the Revival for the Raw Tag Team Championship. Um I think it's time to put it on the Revival and just see what you can do with them. Actually have them in some matches. You know, there was, even though I don't think they're the most structured guys or the people I'm about to suggest are the most uh, structured guys, especially without their manager, them out there's a pain have some uh, history. They definitely have chemistry. You can definitely have some good matches with them and have them doing shit. With the whole rumor that Chad Gable's doing side shit, uh, until Jason Jordan comes back for American Alpha. That's another great tag team to throw in the mix. It looks like the Deleter Worlds are departing. That's fine. You can still keep the B team together. It's time to start rebuilding the tag division on Monday Night Raw and at least having some decent tag teams and are all joke tag teams, especially since, you know, you don't have Brizango. They're gone because of Fandango uh, being injured. So, you know, this should be a fun match. These guys know how to wrestle. Uh, you got the the guys that act like second-generation wrestlers and the second-generation, third-generation, actually, uh, of the other two uh, with the B team. So, like I said, Revival, get the titles, and, and start doing something. They can still – and push the B team is instead of clumsy, like, clumsy winning stuff, actually beating people and having decent matches. That's what I would wish, Chris. Is that crazy? No, I mean, I, I, I just think the the B team right now is just transitional champions, and they're kind of like Brazingo. Once they, I think once they get you know Arthur's pain where they want them, uh, then you know the B team will fall by the wayside until they you know pick their next tag team. So, right, I, I agree with you. I think the revival is going to end up winning here, and. Um, the B team will probably just be fodder for Authors of Pain, as well as probably Titus Worldwide building up to, you know, a tag match. Probably a bunch of singles matches between Authors of Pain and Revival leading to a feud between those two. And then hopefully in that time period, 
you can get uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable back together, and maybe uh, maybe another tag team from uh, from NXT. I don't, I don't know who you'd pull up. I I I don't. God, who's down with heavy know. machinery? It's pretty much it. God damn it! Uh, yeah, I. Jason uh, Wade. The only. Yeah, that the revival. I, I I think get the title here. It just makes sense and have them be the top. Can you just screw they, it? I, I forgot what the hell they're called, but can you bring War whatever the War Raiders just up, or do they really need the NXT champion tag champs? Like I feel like you could just bring those guys up on main and start doing some crazy shit with them. Oh, War Machine. Right? Yeah, they're they're called the War Raiders now. That's Vince's rebrand. Oh, uh, okay. Bullshit. All right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I always get these. The rebrands always fuck with me for like the first month. So. <laughs> I don't blame you. I guess you got to market it. I, I I get it. All right. Anyways, let's go to the next match. We got the uh, this this should be a really great match. The uh, cruiserweight championship match between Cedric Alexander and Drew Gulak. You have a situation where you have kind of like more of like a stoic, very chill champion who can go all over the place, and then your technical guy is actually the mic guy. But either way, the clashing styles should be fun. Um, I think you said Cedric last time we talked about this. I said Drew. I'm going to keep on going with Drew. I just feel like Cedric's had the title mania. I know that's not too long of a time, but I feel like you need to get someone that's a champion that's, you know, a little bit more, uh, a little better on the mic, basically, to kind of drive it a little bit more. Um, and then you have a lot of great baby faces like Mustafa Ali um, and other people of that caliber to go against him. Uh, so you all, you know, you don't have to do another baby face versus baby face because that's what it seems like. Tazawa going after Alexander, or actually, I guess Hiyato Itami is definitely a belt. Whatever. Chris, who do you think is going to win this match? I'm going with Drew Gulak. I'm sticking with Cedric Alexander. I just don't see Drew Gulak as the champ um, personally, and uh, there's not really Alexander hasn't given them a reason to take it off of him. He's been having consistently good matches, so I'll just, I'll just assume that they're going to leave it on him. All right, fair enough. We're going to go to our next match that we have no idea if Randy Orton's going to screw around in. Uh, but Shinsuke Nakamura, the champion with the U.S. Uh, belt, is going against Jeff Hardy, who is trying to, you know, get his rematch for the belt. Um, I don't think it's going to be one of the short ones like the last pay-per-view between the two of them. I hope to see them. Like I said, there's – we, me and you have both said that the best match that he's done was against Sami Zayn, and I think that out of people that he's worked with, Samoa Joe and him had some chemistry. I didn't think him and Bobby Roode were that good together, but I definitely thought that he had chemistry with both Randy Orton, uh, Shinsuke I'm talking about, and Jeff Hardy. So hopefully we get a good match out of the two of these guys, um, and maybe Randy will screw over Jeff Hardy and then uh, pee on, on on Shinsuke. I have no idea. I really don't. This is a weird one. I'm going to go with Jeff Hardy. Chris, what do you think? I'm going to go with Nakamura retaining with uh, with Jeff Hardy getting screwed over by Randy Orton. Uh, and then maybe Randy Orton also attacking Nakamura, setting up a three-way. Uh, just because I don't know who else would really be in the U.S. title picture. I guess maybe... You know, if Brian beats the so, Miz or vice versa, you could uh, you could go that route. Yeah, they have a very small division. It's like literally four fucking people. It's those three guys and probably Shelton Benjamin. And the funny thing is, outside Nakamura, it feels like I'm watching a match from ten years ago when when it's Randy and Jeff and uh, Shelton. 
Um, kind of neat. Anyways, let's go with the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. The champion, Carmella, will be going against both Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Um, man, I really think Carmella's going to retain this for some fucking reason. But I want Becky Lynch to win. But I feel like even, I'm going to go with my heart, Chris, and say Becky. But I feel like they would give it to Charlotte to, uh, you know, bring some more gravitas to that brand going into Evolution or keep it on Carmella for whatever fucking storyline-driven bullshit. What do you think? Uh, I think it, I think it's going to go back to Charlotte. I think, like I said last week, I think she's going to end up screwing over Becky Lynch in some form or fashion, and it starts a feud between her and Becky, maybe leading up to Becky winning at the uh, the women the all women's paper. Uh, winning her, uh, winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. So I think that would be a good way to do it. And you can also get Carmella out of the picture and have a meaningful feud um, up until then. So that that's what I'm going to guess is the thing. But they could go the other way and, you know, have Becky screw Charlotte. Uh, I would assume, you know, Charlotte is going to be good at playing the heel and get a reaction either way. So that that's my thought on it. She's probably going to go with Either, you know, Becky having the match won and Charlotte tossing her out of the ring or, or Charlotte cheating the win over Becky or something to that, uh, something to that, you know, note. Yeah, I like that idea, obviously. I think that that's a, a fun thing to go down with Charlotte being a heel. I don't know how many heel turns we're going to have uh, this night, so this next match kind of uh, goes along with that concept. we got Dolph Ziggler on one side with the Scottish psychopath, Drew McIntyre. And then on the other side, we got Seth Rollins, Mr. Burn It Down, because I didn't wear the cream, uh, with, his, with his lunatic fringe, Dean Ambrose, who's back and looks like, like the love child of Triple H and Stone Cold. He's, he's pretty uh, he's interesting looking. He, he got jacked. He definitely got jacked. It was, uh, you know, vascularity. On the arms definition, on the shoulders, if you will. He cut his hair. He probably just should have shaved the fucking thing off. Now it's like pieces everywhere. That's fine. I'm, I would never say that to his face. And he got a beard. Um, very happy for Dean Ambrose to be back. Basically, who do you think is going to win this? How do you think it's going to play out? And why do you think the WWE didn't wait? If they're not going to announce Dean Ambrose is going to be on Raw, there's no advertising appeal, you know, to watch Raw for Dean Ambrose, because people won't know about that. And Dean Ambrose, thrown on SummerSlam, I'm pretty sure a majority of people, it's not going to cause that big of a ratio difference because he's on it. Why didn't they just save Dean Ambrose? You know, you could have even built up, I can have a guy in my corner, but then use it for the actual fucking big show. Uh, I mean, it's either you advertise it for Raw, right, or you advertise it on Raw for SummerSlam. So I think they just went the latter. I don't, I don't think it would have made too much of a difference on either way because people already knew he was coming back at this pay per view for the most part. I mean, it was pretty much rumored anyway. So I, I kind of, I tend to agree with you. I think I would have propped it, but I think the idea is that you, you, the idea behind it is obviously they're promoting SummerSlam by having it on the Go Home show. I guess they assumed that more people watch the Go Home show anyways than the other nights. So if they didn't watch that Monday beforehand, they wouldn't even have, you know, the knowledge that he was going to be there. So I don't know. It's a weird thing. I think the, you know, the weirdest thing about this match to me is that, like, are they put, 
I don't see them putting Seth and Dean back together again just to have some tag matches against Dolph and uh, Drew. That just doesn't really make any sense. So I just I I still am going on going with the fact that you're probably going to see a Dean Ambrose heel turn here, which would make a lot of sense. So that's uh, I'm going to stick with that and probably go with the Ziggler retaining. I think that's what I went with last week, and I'm going to stick to my guns. Yep, I want to ref bump. Drew McIntyre gets taken out of it. Dean goes to, we think, helps Seth with a chair in there. Clobbers, you know, uh, Dolph, because they've had problems in the past. They nail Seth and just, like, leaves, basically, and that's it. Then that would be awesome. And then Dolph ends up winning somehow. Maybe uh, Drew McIntyre runs in the ring, puts him on his body, gets the ref back up. That type of bullshit I've seen happen a million times. But it could add a lot of intrigue and storyline. And like you said, with the suggestion of him not picking a side, then the audience doesn't know where, where exactly Dean Ambrose is at. And then him and Seth can just beat the shit out of each other and have some awesome matches while they're trying to figure out how the hell they get him in the main title picture. Uh, speaking about the main title picture, for the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase, we have Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens. I think Braun's going to win this. There is a part of me that really believes Braun is going to um, cash in, especially if, like, Roman wins, cash in that night and win it. Or, since Brock Lesnar has one more, he's, he's scheduled for one more appearance, and that's a Raw after SummerSlam, so next Monday night. If Brock wins, he cash in and then takes it from Brock in some type of fashion on Monday Night Raw. So I'm going to say he's going to win, but I will say – Normally, I'd be pissed off, but any other person I would be okay with stealing the briefcase It would be KO uh, because I love Kevin Owens, and Braun shouldn't have the fucking briefcase to begin with. I think we've already uh, said that. Um, Chris, what do you think about this match? Man, I'm just so torn because I, I, I don't necessarily want him to lose the briefcase, but the more and more I've watched kind of this feud <laughs> develop between him but between him and Kevin Owens, it does seem like maybe they're leaning towards Kevin Owens getting this briefcase. So I'm going to go opposite of you. Um, I think last week I was on Braun. I'm going to change over to Kevin Owens. I think he's the Jinder Mahal factor. Uh, maybe Kevin Owens ends up with this briefcase and uh, you get a feud between Jinder and, and, and Braun for a little bit while they figure out the main title picture. Uh, and hell, maybe even Kevin Owens cashes in. Holds a uh, Seth Rollins. How dare you for going opposite of what I picked? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, we got the Bludgeon Brothers, the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions, going against the New Day. Uh, give the New Day another notch. Uh, figure out something to do with the Bludgeon Brothers. This whole thing that we'll talk about later with Bray Wyatt, maybe it's a big repackaging of all of them. Um, I just don't know what the fuck you're going to do with this. And if you put it on the New Day, then you get tremendous matches with all the other competition that's on there between the Bard, the Usos. Yeah, we've seen all that shit, but we like all that shit. And there are other tag teams. If you want to keep the Bludgeon Brothers around, that's fine. I just feel like you're just really hurting Luke Harper mainly. And we've already kind of said all that, but I feel like the New Day is going to win this match. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. This is similar to what we were talking about last week. I, I just I don't think the fans care about the Bludgeon Brothers either either way. Like they don't hate them, but they also don't like them. They're kind of just 
transitional champion setting the new day up for whoever the next challenge is. And I think now is the time to put the titles back on the new day and then get them back involved with, you know, the Usos. Uh, God, why can I not think of their name now? I want to say sanity. But yeah, the bar and then insanity. Like, I think that you have a good tag team picture. You can send the Bludgeon Brothers down have them feud with Sanity, and then you can set up, you know, Usos versus New Day, and then eventually Sanity versus New Day, which I think could be a fun program. Um, and then the bar, obviously, um, are there. So the tag team pictures on, you know, SmackDown look really, really good to me. I, I think that there's a lot of cool stuff they could do with it. I think putting it on your, I would say your second, t- or you're tied with the Usos top team, the New Day having it is a, is a good look, especially since all of those teams are kind of heelish anyways. It would make sense to put it on your baby faces and have them have to defend it, you know, pay-per-view after pay-per-view until it's the top. So uh, I would go that route. So uh, I'm going to go New Day. I like it. All right. Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. I like Baron Corbin. I'm glad he got rid of the skullet. He's got to get the fucking suit thing the fuck out of here and go back to some normal shit. Um, I don't actually mind this this gimmick. If he beats Finn Balor, I that's not good, I don't think, for Finn. I think that kind of, like, is a big statement of what they think. He beat him on the last pay-per-view, but then he lost to him shortly after this. This is a rubber match. I would like to see Baron Corbin lose clean from Finn Balor. And if, he lo- if, if, if you beat Finn Balor, take him off for a little while, repackage, say that he got injured for a couple weeks, repackage him and start fucking pumping the demon back out there or letting him act like fucking Prince Devitt, the sinister style, the, you know, the fact that he's still a baby face technically because people like him so much, but he acts twisted and evil and, and stuff like that. Like, and yeah, there's so much to do with Finn Balor more than smiles and fucking Balor club. I'm just saying, please wrestling gods. Anyways, Chris, what do you think? I think Finn Balor gets the win here over Corbin. Corbin's kind of just in the Kane role right now. Commissioner, like, kind of when commission what was it? Whatever Kane was, uh, corporate Kane. He's what, Constable Baron. So he's just kind of filling a role until they figure out what they're going to do with him. But the real thing is, is, like, I don't think that, I don't see them doing anything much with Finn until he gets switched to SmackDown or something. Like, I just don't see anything. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see him going anywhere right now. Uh, maybe outside of having a feud with someone like Kevin Owens, if Kevin Owens doesn't get the briefcase. Uh, I, I just don't see a whole lot for them to do with him um, until they do something, like you said, like rebrand him or rebuild his character uh, in some way. Because right now, the only people I can really see him feuding with would be okay. Uh, say you go Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, then I guess he could feud with Dolph Ziggler and uh, Drew McIntyre and go back yeah. to the icy title. Or you could go, you know, Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor. But there's just not a whole lot for him to do. Um, yeah, and there's too many big guys on top. Yeah. Um, and they obviously don't – They did, I mean, if they wanted to go that route of Brock Lesnar versus Finn or Reigns versus Finn, I think they would have already done it. I, I just – I don't know, man. It's like they – you know, ever since he got hurt uh, – it really took the wind out of his sails, obviously, and they haven't really known what to do with him since then. So it, I feel bad because he, he is a good wrestler and a good performer. They took the demon thing away from him, which didn't help, and then now... And they did the ultimate 
Sin, which was having a feud against Bray Wyatt, which I said was a terrible idea. So he's just kind of had a bunch of missteps since coming back off injury. I, you know, when it comes down to the demon, I hope, besides the fact that I want to do well uh, to expand comic book movies and because my favorite actor, Tom Hardy's in it, I hope maybe if in, if, if Venom does well in theaters, and I'm, I'm being serious, people, that maybe Finn can be like, that should be my demon. That should be the same thing. Like I can incorporate it, taken over me. So we can kind of like bring that element to this. And then he can use both his cool persona that he's already built in WWE. And then more of the Prince Devitt sinister shit and kind of incorporate makeup for the feuds and, and use that. He wants to, it's all there. It just, Vince is weird, man. I, I don't care about tag teams. I like muscles and fuck face paint. That's, it's, there's a lot of weirdness, I guess. Anyways, <laughs> do you have any last statements to say about that before I move on to the next match? No, it's just that, you know, I like Finn Balor. I just don't think there's a whole lot for him to do. And uh, I do think he's going to win here uh, just because uh, Aaron Corbin's just kind of a transitional yeah. guy they're going to put into feuds. Like, like I said, similar to what they did with Kane during his corporate Kane role. So. Hey, remember when remember when Kane beat Finn Balor? Anyways, um, this is a mark. <laughs> Alexa Bliss, the champion, is going against Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, I'm not really concerned about the match. I hope that Ronda doesn't uh, just destroy Alexa because she's much smaller, obviously, and the way that I've seen Nia Jax kind of throw her around. Ronda Rousey is scary with her with her judo throws. So that'll be interesting. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to put the belt on her and ride that into evolution. If she loses it, she's probably going to win at evolution. But I believe she's going to win it at, at SummerSlam, and it'll be a big to-do. And I could see it actually being the uh, – I really honestly – especially if she's, going to, if she's going to win, if they're booking her to win, I could see this being the last match on the card. I know that would be crazy – but I think it will go over a fuckload more than the one that we're going to talk about. That's probably going to be it. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a situation with Ronda, uh, Ronda winning here and probably holding that thing until the, uh, probably even after, but to the female pay-per-view to set up whatever match they're going to go there. I think that her and Alexa Bliss will probably have a decent match. My assumption is they'll keep it simple and probably have Ronda make her tap. Um, I don't expect it to be a long match. I think this is going to be a short Brock Lesnar type match when he first came back and was putting people in the Kimura lock. Uh, yeah, that's that's my guess on how they're going to handle that. But yeah, I have no. I think this it is going to be a big to do. Ronda getting her first title, and it's going to be interesting to see what feuds they come out of that with. Uh, because honestly, the people that I'd really want to see Ronda face are on the opposite brand. <laughs> Me too. Um, not anything oh, against no. no Sasha. I like Sasha and I like Bailey. It's just it's more believable, like Charlotte versus Ronda or Asuka, a person that you did build up as a killer, which they've kind of fell by the wayside on that um, against Ronda. Um, or if you do something like you bring Shayna up, that that could be interesting. Um, because she has had a dominant performance, but she has to take a loss to get to. <laughs> to get to Ronda almost with the way they book NXT. So, yeah, my my guess is, you know, Ronda wins here and probably goes against 
probably goes against Sasha. I would think that they're probably going to put Sasha in the title match at, at the women's pay-per-view. Hey, I'm all for that. All right, let's go to our two-championship match. Uh, first, the WWE Championship between AJ Styles, a champ, going against Samoa Joe. Like I said, this is definitely one of those matches, Chris, that should be amazing because of their past performances, but I'm still kind of not scared, but just curious of what exactly is going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I see – I don't know. I would love them to give Joe the belt, but I don't know if they're ready to take it off of AJ. Um, I'm still going to go Samoa Joe. I I think that they're going to extend this feud and make it fun. Chris, what do you think? I'm going to go Joe just because, like I said, AJ doesn't need the title at all. And uh, giving it to Joe, putting a heel champion on top, sets up for maybe some, uh, you know, one rematch with AJ. If he wins again, then you could set up a, AJ having to fight his way back to the title. And you could even get some interesting stuff like maybe Daniel Bryan's in the mix or Jeff Hardy. I think there's some cooler stuff that you could do with Samoa on top than, uh, than with AJ on top. And uh, the way that they've had Samoa kind of go after AJ, uh, it would it would be good for AJ to get the win, but that's not typical WWE. Usually the heel, when they're going after someone that hard, uh, and really shitting on them, they somehow find a way to cheat and win, and then they build the story up from there. Um, so I uh, I think Samoa Joe's probably going to win more, uh, not more lock, but with the uh, Koji Clutch, right? So sure, that's my guess. Gonna he's going to choke out AJ Styles, center of the ring. Maybe a ref bump happens. AJ hits his finisher, can't get the ref up, and then gets choked out. That's, that's going to be my guess. But I do think this is going to be match of the night, and I do think it goes over 20 minutes. And uh, the whole world gets the greatness that is Styles and Samoa Joe. I agree. All right, our last match, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. I will say they have done a good job of building it. It's been very crammed down our throat, but especially with the stuff involving Paul Heyman, he's basically saved this. Um, but Roman's getting over more. Uh, I feel like if they go in swinging in the match, people aren't going to shit on it immediately. I could be wrong, though, because they've had matches, and they weren't that bad, but they were not accepted at all. They were just, everyone was fucking over this. Um, I unfortunately think that Brock Lesnar is somehow going to win. I don't know why. I just feel that's going to happen. Uh... Braun might come out and then beat Brock, and that's the way they go about it. Um, I expect him, if he's going to be on Monday Night Raw, to then challenge for the belt, and he would have to lose against Braun again, or Roman Reigns, for that matter. So part of me just thinks that he's going to win the belt, and they're going to go and do exactly like you said, just let him go with the belt, stop it, and then have a tournament for a new champion since he's going to be out. Uh, after to start training for his fight. Um, What I would love to see happen, and I don't think it's going to at all, is that when Paul handed Roman that piece of paper right before he started macing him, I think Roman was looking right at it. Instead of it being a contract, I was hoping that say, this is going to be water, watch out for Brock, something to that extent that they can use in the storyline. 
He then sprays him. Roman acts up. He takes a bump from Brock, and then he actually screws him, uh, screws Brock Lesnar, helping out Roman Reigns. Uh, like I said, that would be a great thing. I would have, I would have gone into this, us thinking that uh, that Paul has Roman's back, and then screw him during the match. It seemed a little bit weird, even more so than the Dean Ambrose return. Uh, but Chris. How do you feel about this? Well, I shouldn't ask you how do you feel about this match. Um, what do you think is going to happen with this match? I still think Lesnar is going to retain. Um, short of someone cashing in or Dean Ambrose uh, screwing over, well, Dean Ambrose screwing over both of them or something, I really think that, you know, Lesnar is going to retain. Uh, the weird thing about this match is – it's this is a normal DQ match, so anything that happens could just be a DQ in Brock retains. So all of this could just be a setup for some plucky ass finish, and I'm kind of thinking that's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, my my hope would be that Dean Ambrose just demolishes both of them, Brock retains but doesn't actually win, and then you just set up kind of Dean Ambrose fighting everybody. And they do some kind of interim title like they've done in the past. That that would be my go-to. And I think that's what I kind of alluded to last week. Or more likely is Braun Strowman demolishes both of them or something. Yep. It should be a lot of fun. Constable but I hope Kevin it. Owens hope Kevin Owens actually what? wins the... Uh, I, hope, I hope Kevin Owens wins the briefcase and takes that completely out of the picture, honestly. Just because it's that's such the easy way to go. Like I hope they they don't book it that way, where it's just like, okay, well Brock's gonna win, and then he's gonna drop either drop it that same night or drop it on Monday. I hope they just either let the man keep it or have Roman beat him. But don't. I'm not really looking for the money in the bank thing. So I don't want that to happen. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I think it's the lazy way out. No, I, I completely agree. I, I do agree. I think that would be a little more interesting. Do you think, like, where do they come up with Constable Corbin, Chris? I mean, I don't. Does anyone call anyone a fucking constable? Like, I feel like that's a like a, a role of a person in the Crucible. You know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't make. <laughs> I don't. Know. I've been thinking about this stuff. Well, it, it keeps me up at night. He's a he's a peace a constable's a peace officer, right? So he's supposed to be keeping the peace. That's kind of been well, what even, he's... even though he talks like fucking, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves, he's not really a peaceful guy. He's kind of a dick. He's kind of a stupid person <laughs> to get involved. What is Stephanie thinking with her with her assessment of a constable in, in Baron Corbin? That's just ridiculous. And that is our first mm. news topic. I'm just kidding. Let's, let's get to the news, though. Um, our first uh, part of the news, it's good to laugh before you talk about something uh, a bit depressing. Uh, unfortunately, Jim the Anvil Neidhart uh, passed away um, due to apparently he, he'd been suffering dementia, early dementia for the last like year or two. Um, I don't exactly know what happens. I, I, I don't know if he fell or something, but um, I'm pretty sure it's not a heart attack and it was something on the lines of that. Um, just regardless, it doesn't really matter. He's gone. Uh, Natalia Neidhart, who I think is one of the best female wrestlers and one of the best wrestlers right now in WWE, one of the best female wrestlers 
Uh, her her bloodline has the heart within it. I mean, literally, uh, the heart family. And uh, I remember him tugging on his beard and uh, laughing. And uh, the Heart Foundation being such a badass tag team, and them and the Bulldogs when they were heels. And then when they switched baby and they they went against Demol. No, I think they were actually heels still. They went against Demolition, and I think it was SummerSlam '90 when they went against Demolition. I don't know. I, I just remember a lot of great matches. He was definitely your Haas style wrestler. Uh, good on the mic. He kind of complimented things that Brett uh, wasn't the best at at a younger age, and Brett kind of complimented him, obviously, on, on certain things as well. They were a great tag team, uh, great wrestler. Sad, sad picture, Chris, that I sent to you that has been all over the Internet of um, the show they did, uh, I, I believe in Calgary, yeah, um, the, the, the Stampede show, and it's it's got Brett in the ring with his brother Owen, his brother-in-laws, uh, Jim Neidhart, and uh, Davey Boy Smith, and Brian Pillman, and everyone else is in black and white besides Brett, because um, that's what's, I mean, God, man, geez, him and Kevin Von Erich, they just, uh, it just sucks, like, wow, it's just like, when you see stuff like that, it just kind of mess with you, and not only that, like I said, it's like all the hosses from our generation, um, that we grew up watching, or at least the ones from the, the older generation, they're all gone. Jim Neidhart, Bam Bam Bigelow, Vader, Terry Gordy, um, uh, John Tenta, you know, with Earthquake or Avalanche or whatever you call them. But just sad, man. Uh, another wrestler passed away. We just talked about three of them that dropped on the same day two weeks ago. And uh, my thoughts and prayers uh, go with Natalia and the Hart family. I feel really bad for Brett. You know, he lost one of his best friends. And uh, he's uh, had quite a fucking painful life on a lot of aspects. Um, Chris, uh, would you like to talk about Mr. Uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart? Honestly, I thought they were, you know, him and Brett made a great tag team. Probably the biggest, you know, Jim was. He was a good wrestler in the ring. I think you put it best when you said, you know, him and Brett complimented each other in different ways. Uh, in a lot of ways that you don't see in tag team wrestling today, uh, where you have a guy that can just go, and then you have, like, your big hoss, uh, reminiscent of some of the earlier 80s style as far as how you put tag teams together. But, yeah, they were uh, they were great together. And I remember, you know, obviously the Hart Foundation, um, even the stuff he did later as a heel with uh, Owen and Brian, just being part of that little group. But um, yeah, I actually had the chance to meet Jim. We talked about Falcons football, believe it or not. Falcons in the Carolina Panthers one day at um, NWA Fan Fest, and he was a really, really nice guy to me. And uh, yeah, I feel, I feel for his family, obviously. Uh, warm regards to them, thoughts and prayers, all, all of that good stuff. It's uh, been nice to see the outpouring of support for Jim Neidhart and his family and uh, just seeing some of the pictures of different wrestlers with him and stuff has been good throughout the week. Uh, obviously a real sad situation. He was what 65. So um, yeah, another young, young or young er wrestler lost. And obviously another one of our generation. It's sad every time this happens, especially coming after. Uh, sorry about that. Helicopter flew by, <laughs> uh, especially coming after, you know, after uh, the three that we lost just two weeks ago. So, 
been a rough week as a wrestling fan, especially if you're into some of the classics. So rest in peace, Jim, the Anvil Nightheart. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that collection that they put together on the WWE Network. I'm going to have to check that out. It's going to probably have a lot of great tag matches. I mean, definitely. And, and, and I think that Jim was like how the young bucks are. And a lot of uh, wrestlers, he loved being a tag team wrestler. And, you know, he definitely had a run singles, but I think that majority know him as one of the heart foundation. And then I think I forgot what Owen, his, his group with, with Coco Beware, but I remember Coco Beware left it high energy. I don't remember, but big fan of Jim. I love seeing all the uh, wonderful thoughts from different wrestlers on Twitter and just the outpour. And um, I know I'm trying to think of like one person, Michael Elgin, big fan of uh, Jim, one of his big inspirations. Um, so, and, and obviously Brad and everyone else. And uh, Yeah. It's just uh, sad when uh, wrestlers pass away. It kind of just uh, makes you think, but um, let's have like a little moment of silence and we'll uh, move on to actually a topic that we should probably talk to you. That's connected to this, but hold on. Let's give a second for Jim, the Evil night art. I don't think we're going to specifically go over raw Chris, but I know that a lot of people got a bad taste in their mouth by the promo that Ronda Rousey had a cut at the beginning of it, bringing up, obviously, uh, they had a picture of the anvil, and she came out, and she talked about uh, fathers and stuff like that. Uh, the controversy is that the fact that they brought it with an angle, um, setting up stuff with her and Alexa. And I thought, honestly, when it, when it comes to – I feel like people just get offended a little bit more often on stuff uh, than ever before. It's a wonderful world to live in, for that matter. But – um. You know, I, I thought they went about it really uh, – it wasn't that bad. And then they had a video package later on for him. But, you know, she said a wonderful thing about dads, and it's really sad. But the one thing that actually did bother me that I don't think a lot of people knew is that when she was very young, her dad um, passed away. So she's had to deal with that her whole entire life. So the person having to do that seems a little bit rough. But for someone that's not good on her promos, she was able to take that to it extremely well, in my opinion, flip it, take it, put it against Alexa, and that was a lot of faith to put on Ronda Rousey, especially, like we said, her mic skills are not the best. Uh, but I feel like the controversy, I, I just feel like people just need to fucking relax and also realize this is professional wrestling. This is a mentality that's gone back to carny days. Uh, most wrestlers, want, if, they, if they pass away, they have no problem about being used, basically, in a certain thing. A lot of people had a problem with Paul Bearer being brought up and then, and Paul Heyman dressing up like him and stuff like that. And a lot of people claim that were close to him, that he would not have cared about that. And I don't think they went distasteful at all. So I kind of just want to address that. And um, I don't know if you heard any of the controversy, but how do you feel about all that? Well, I mean, WWE has been distasteful in the past when it comes to, you know, wrestling deaths. I think the Paul Bearer thing was a little over the top. This was more, like, the promo itself started out with, you know, any loss is heartbreaking, but to lose a father, our fathers are are pillars of strength in a hostile world. There are are reassurance that everything is going to be okay, but when that reassurance is ripped away, we have to face the fact that our fathers have been raising us to be pillars of strength our families need when they are gone. So I think she actually started it off on a really, really positive note. But, you know, like the things she said, I thought were really well-spoken. And, and she also talked about Nat- Natalia being one of the first people to welcome her into the WWE. And, and they played off the fact that they've had a friendship 
Um, and obviously, it had to lead to a match because she has a title match. Um, I didn't get offended by it. I didn't think that, you know, it wasn't like Alyssa Bliss came out and just absolutely didn't go, she didn't go full heel on Natalia or really shit on Jim or anything like they could have done. Like, they could have went the opposite way and had Alexa start the show out and do some really conniving mean shit. And they didn't go that route. Similar to, you know, was it Sasha in the past with, uh, was it Alexa when she was bringing up David Flair? One of the two bringing up David Flair. They've done it in the past with, with David Flair. Um, but to me, this was more of a, a, a tribute leading into a wrestling show, which I think Jimmy and Bill probably would have a problem with. And obviously, they would have cleared this with Natalia before doing it. Her name. Um, so I didn't get offended by it. And, and they did put a lot of pressure on her to have that program. Um, and then also, she saw that bat <laughs> randomly in the arena right after that, which was really weird. Uh, yeah, for people that topic, didn't but... see that, explain what happened with Bat, because I had no idea that fucking happened until you showed me. So there's a scene where Ronda rolls out of the ring during right before a commercial break, and there's a gif, and it's like a close-up camera angle over, and she looks over her shoulder at a bat or something. Either someone had flown a bat or it hit something and flew down around the announcer's tables and kind of the little barricade, and like kind of flopped around and flew back off. And then she just looks at the camera and she's like, oh, my God, that was a bat. <laughs> it's really great. There's a, uh, there's a gif floating out there around, around it uh, on Twitter. So look up the bat thing if you haven't seen it yet because it was a little bit of levity to what started the show off as super serious. Um, but, yeah, like I, I didn't have a problem with the program and the bat gif is uh, pretty great. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty funny. All right, let's move on to the next. Um, <laughs> this is a weird story, man. Uh, so two best friends um, in a bit of dispute. Uh, basically, if you guys have been living under a rock, being wrestling fans and not knowing about the stuff going on with uh, CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk was on Cole Cabana's uh, podcast a very long time ago. Cole basically kind of, along with Jericho and a few other people, revolutionized. Uh, wrestling podcast. Um, uh, basically, one of the first ones. Well, when CM Punk left WWE, he came on his podcast and explained to everyone just flat out how he felt about WWE, and was just very open and honest. You guys can catch it on the internet. I'm sure even if they've taken it down, there's there's probably like a million different places to find it. Um, but uh, yeah. Within this interview, basically, he criticized uh, Dr. Aman, who's one of the head doctors with the WWE, and to the extent of um, basically Aman suing both CM Punk and Cole Cabana uh, for, you know, um, what's the term? I can't remember right now off the – basically just, you know, saying that he's bad at his practice and that he's, uh, you know, making him look really, really bad. Uh, I'll, I'll end up yelling it out when uh, Chris is on there. I know it. Um, either way, they go to court. This becomes a big thing because even me and Chris, like, you know, if you have a podcast and you have a guest and they say something, are you liable then for it? Well, it, you know, it doesn't go anywhere in court. Uh, basically, Cocavana and CM Punk um, are, you know, innocents within it. Only problem is throughout the whole entire thing, they had to get lawyers, and CM Punk originally, before him and um, and uh, Colt had some issues, 
some issues. Uh, originally, CM Punk told uh, Colt Cabana that he was going to pay. I'm sorry, Kitty Cat, chill out. No, get out of here. What is wrong with you, Cat? God, she's trying to attack my phone. I'm sorry, people. Um, anyways, no, stop it. Oh, God dang it. Get, damn it, uh, it's really happening to me right now, but a uh, long story short, um they had to spend a bunch of money. CM Punk claimed that he was gonna pay for Col- uh Colt's um whatchamacallit, uh lawyers, uh, all the fees for that, and then decided in a very snooty ass fucking text message that Colt's using along with the original agreement that he had paid for it. Um, in his suit against CM Punk, basically he said, you know, I'm not going to pay for it. You can legally do something if you really feel like that's the need or something like that. It was very, very just like off-putting. And now um, <laughs> now Colt wants about, I think it's like a million and a half dollars, which is a good amount of money. That's, uh, that's kind of a lot. I don't exactly know what happened to them for it to get this bad. I know that they've had other legal issues in the past, uh, but they got past that. Um, I understand they had to go to court. kind of think it's a dick move not to pay for something. If you are a guy that makes way more money than your buddy, got him involved by talking about it on his fucking show, um, and uh, whatever happens, you just, just pull up. I'm not doing this anymore. That shows a lot of your character, I guess. What's very, very strange is that after um, I was listening to uh, X-Pac uh, had a show, and uh, one of the gentlemen, one of the editors of a major uh, outlet, I forgot which one it was. I, think, I want to say it's Russell's Zone. Free plug, guys, from us. Um, but uh, he was just saying he talked after, right after the court case, and he was like, look, it's really weird because they were talking to each other there, you know, after the whole entire thing AJ Lee gave. Colt a big hug, and then he talked to Colt and basically said, hey, are you going to his fight, UFC? And Colt was like, no, not happening. So something, it's been going on for a while. Chris, what do you think about all this? Well, right off the bat, I'm going to say we've only heard Colt's side of the story thus far. Punk has kind of been quiet about the entire thing. Um, I will say right off the bat, like, Originally, what punks in a, a a text message saying you you're 100 percent covered originally uh, was apparently there's proof of, and then punk had wrote an email basically saying that he wasn't going to pay for pay for the bills essentially, um, and that he was already paying for a good amount. But like apparently the legal fees were like punk asked Colt to pay for half of it, right? So that's that's where this gets weird is that. Originally, I guess Punk actually paid for the lawyers, and then now he wants Colt Cabana to pay for part of it. So now there's like a weird lawsuit. This entire thing is has gotten really nasty um, in a way that I didn't really expect. I expected them to countersue Amon uh, for legal fees. That that is actually what I expected to happen since they were, weren't were able to prove that CM Punk had lied about anything medical prove, which was what the original lawsuit was defamation against uh, Dr. Chris Vaughn. And they basically defamation. proved that Punk... Damn. Yeah, they they proved that, that Punk really was hurt. So the things that he was saying, he, he was in his right to say. Um, to me, the obvious would have been to sue, to counter-sue him. But uh, 
apparently it's not going down that way, uh, and this is going to be a big lawsuit. I would say that Colt Cabana is probably going to get hit with this, with whatever's left of his part of the lawsuit. It's just going to be a really hard thing to prove when you get into two friends in an agreement through a text message, uh, no actual written contract. What what do you consider a written contract? All that kind of stuff is going to get. Uh, what's going to be brought up? The, the unfortunate part is that you know this is going to easily cost Punk the same amount that the legal fees cost in the first place is going to be my guess. So to me, it doesn't do anything. Uh, I, I I don't see this 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 is not going to bring them any closer, obviously, but. It either gets settled out of court or they both go to court, and there's just more legal fees for both of them. So it's a weird situation in general. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's like just back in June they were saying they were cordial, and now this lawsuit's happening. So <laughs> I have no idea. Um, yeah, so the, the article itself was – or the email itself was what? To date I've spent, you know, 513 – uh, $513,736 on the Amon lawsuit. Uh, my outstanding current bill is at least 300k. Half of all that, that uh, half of all of this is yours. Divide 513,736 uh, by pay me. Starting now, I will no longer be paying for your bills. You are on your own. Whatever my bill is currently will be cut in half, and half will be yours. If you choose to make this ugly, that's fine too. I hope you want. But I gave up on you doing what is right a long time ago. Um, that's so obviously, yeah, so there's some other stuff that we're not hearing. And like I said, there's two sides to, to, to both. I mean, there's there's two sides to every story, and I'm sure they will come out here in the coming months. This part of the uh, email was added on the 9th um, in several articles. So, yeah, it's a, this is a nasty situation, especially for two guys that were supposed to be friends. Even in the uh, infamous Pipe Bomb Pro promo, there's literally, you know, a moment where CM Punk looks at the camera and goes, hi, Colt Banna. Like, it's one of the famous moments uh, of that promo, but it's, I don't know, man. It's this is a weird situation. CM Punk's in a weird spot as well. Uh, I would assume that he made decent money on that UFC fight, even losing it. I, I would think that he got paid pretty decently for that, but, yeah, I don't know. Um God, what do we even say about this other than I guess we'll see how it plays out in court uh, if it makes it that that, that far. Um, but if he does have a text message saying, you know, that you're 100% covered when they're talking about legal fees in a conversation, uh, that can be submitted as evidence, and it'd be up to Punk's lawyers, obviously, to get that shit thrown out. And if it gets thrown out, then it's just Colt's word versus Punk's word, and then it'll just be both of them paying more legal fees, which is more likely what's going to happen. Well, I think the strangest thing is the fact that Punk and Colt Cabana are both going to be at All In. Um, now, they're going to be in different places, obviously. Colt Cabana is going to be in the uh, over-budget over Battle Royal, and uh, Punk's is signing at the, uh, the convention going on around it. Um, so I, th- I think what a lot of people would be thinking, Chris, and I, I don't really have a direct answer, other than probably yes, is with all this now happening uh, and now him having problems with Colt Cabana, who not only was his best friend, was one of the big guys within Ring of Honor. Um, you know, he already 
is pretty much done with the WWE. Uh, Ring of Honor has a lot of connections, especially over in Japan. What I'm trying to say is, is this more of a reason that Phil Brooks will probably not be coming back to professional wrestling anytime soon? I mean, depending on how fast that thing goes to trial, I think it's a, you know, a big reason. And if he loses, I don't know what else he would... I know he's got a Netflix show um, and a few other things, but I just don't understand what he's... If he's going to have to pay this massive lawsuit, if that does happen, you got to think that that's got to be on his mind. Um, does he Where come back he to wrestling out of, just out of money wise? It might be, that might be the case. I, I don't know. I mean, Vince said a long time ago, "Never say never." You know, like if someone needs, if Vince thinks he can get him for the right price, I would assume that Vince McMahon would bring him back, um, or he could go work in Ring of Honor. But uh. I don't know. He, he's burned a lot of bridges, and if you're a promotion, you're taking a chance on him not to say the same shit about you, or say something different about you, or really uh, air out his grievances with you on another podcast. He's almost put himself in a, in a different situation now, uh, especially with Colt being kind of an indie darling in general in some of these places. Uh, I think it would be best if they settled this and did not go to court. And I still don't think you would see CM Punk back anytime soon unless he just absolutely needed the money because I just don't know where else he would go. Hopefully he's got his money saved, but this is going to be... I mean, he just spent half a million dollars in lawsuit fees and he's trying to recomp some of that from Colt Cabana. So I'm assuming that things are not the best. Um, but that's all, you know... I don't know any of this for fact. This is all stuff that we're reading through their conversations and you know I haven't like looked up his finances or anything like that I'm just usually when someone is asking for half of a lawsuit for $500,000 and making a big deal about it it's that there's there's either a something else there Colt's done something to piss him off or it is a money issue where he just doesn't have the money and in that case the number one thing CM Punk can do to make more money is to do wrestling appearances that via signings, shoot interviews, or even having a match. I agree. No, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, and, and and you're right. I mean, the, the main thing that you guys listen to us speculate, so we not, might not know every part of the knowledge of, you know, how much money is in uh, CM Punk's bank account. Um, I could just – I'm just saying I don't think he would go to certain places. I think that even if I like watching them – um, I don't think he's going to go to Mexico. Um, Japan seems pretty far away, too. I don't think this is, like, uh, the same person as Daniel Bryan. Who knows? But New Japan does have that connection with Ring of Honor. I think Ring of Honor is probably not going to be too thrilled about him because of Colt now. And that they would take CM Punk, obviously, but that would be kind of a, a awkward type of concept. If he needs money, and he needs a lot of money for whatever reason, I could see him definitely, hey, pal, how's it going? Come on in, punk. Yeah, you know, just sit down real quick. And then he's on Monday Night Raw dropping a new pipe bomb. I don't think that's going to happen. I have no idea, but crazier things have fucking happened. Let's move on to our next uh, item of conversation. Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling have sold out Madison Square Garden, Chris. Um, 
this is crazy. I think, I, I, I believe it was, I, I think it was Dave, he was talking about it, that WWE has problems selling out Madison Square Garden sometimes for their house shows. Uh, they did the day it was released. They sold out their pre-sale tickets when they went on sale. I think it was in like, like five hours. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, yeah, so this is 15,000 fans. Uh, the last time, last year's grand event uh, that they had that was close to that was 6,100 fans. Um, so this is big for Ring of Honor. This is big for New Japan. And this is something that is going to uh, make Mr. Mr. McMahon pretty pissed off, I would assume. This is his backyard, if you will. This is the uh, place his father uh, put a lot of money into and uh, made a lot of money from. Uh, so there's, there, there's some nostalgia, Chris, when it comes to Madison Square Garden with uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. But uh, what do you think? Um, and uh, how do you think uh, Vince feels about it? Yeah, I mean, we t- we've definitely talked about this a little bit. I, th- I think it's super exciting um, if you're a Ring of Honor and New Japan fan to know that they're able to draw this kind of crowd. Um, obviously, right now, the elite, uh, the Bullet Club, uh, you know, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, are probably the biggest draws outside of the, of the WWE, um, without a doubt. And then you're just sprinkling on, you know, you're going to get Ring of Honor fans and New Japan fans because you're getting uh, some super card uh, other wrestlers, such as Kenny, you know, uh, Kazuchika Wakata is going to be on this card. Like, there's some other talent that you might not get a chance to see in America for a while. So I think the combination of the two obviously made this a big deal for fans. Um, it's kind of crazy. They're they're expecting, you know, it, it it's what, 15,000 people is Madison Square Garden? That's the sellout. So they've sold all the tickets for that. That doesn't necessarily mean 15,000 people are going to be there. That means that they sold 15,000 tickets. Some of those will be scalped off. Um, I'm sure there's percentage spreadsheets out there, but that's still a huge deal. Um, I know, like, Bully Ray earlier today was talking about how, like, AWA never did it, ECW never did it, WCW never did it. So it's kind of a a huge deal in general. Uh, There's not been another wrestling company come in and sell out, you know, Madison Square Garden. Granted, this isn't one company, but these are two companies that run side by side. Uh, they, you know, they do this event. They've done this event the last what two or three years? The G1 Supercard. Uh, I know, I know for sure they did it last year because we talked about it last year. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's really cool. It's definitely in Vince's backyard. I'm sure he's not thrilled about it, and they tried to shut it down originally. So uh, I'm sure that the vein in Vince's forehead is pumping and. Uh, He's probably cussing someone right now, but yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's very cool, and I'm excited for it. There's there's going to be some good matches on that card. Um, it would be cool to go there <laughs> to see this in Madison Square Garden. So, if anyone has any connections with tickets and maybe a, a flight for free, let me know. Consider us both on that whole aspect. If you guys want to pay for our expenses, we would appreciate it. Um, Chris, what about these, uh, a lot of people are, seem to be jumping the gun, but I've heard everyone talking about it, is the fact that, you know, this is going to be after Kenny and the Young Bucks contracts are up with their companies, Young Bucks with, uh, obviously, Ring of Honor and Kenny with New Japan, um, 
they're not on any of the promotion. Uh, is that just too early for people to speculate that maybe some of the reason they're not promoting the elite, one of the biggest acts in non-WWE is because they possibly might be signing with the WWE if the money's right? Kenny does live in Japan, by the way, though. I I don't know. Part of that could play into this, but, I mean, they're – I mean, I think that, the, you know, the tickets are – the fans, as far as buying the tickets, are under the assumption that, that Cody and Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are going to be there uh, just like they always are. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, those contracts in an April, that's right before Mania, right? Yeah, because last the last contract Kenny the last contract Kenny signed was the one where everyone thought he was going to show up at the Royal Rumble because he wasn't under contract, and then he signed like a week later to New Japan or the like a couple of days before the Rumble, if I remember correctly. So their contract is going to expire like a month before, two months before. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find that out. I mean, they could renegotiate their contracts way before they actually expire. Would be my guess. I, I still don't see Kenny Omega leaving yet. He doesn't really have a reason to, um, especially if they're selling out Madison Square Garden under the guise of him just going to be there. You know, like he's making good money in Japan. Uh, unless it was a huge offer from WWE and maybe a promise that he would at least be in the top pick, the the top the top of the card. I think they would be hard pressed to pull Kenny Omega, especially with him living in Japan. Um, but yeah, and I think it makes more sense for Bucks because you know they've literally done everything that they could, and like three times over, you know, between New every single place they've won the tag team belts. I think while they're in TNA, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they win the belts there too. Wow, they've even won fucking. Uh, I would have to I would have to pull up pull that up to know for sure. Um, well, either wow, it's 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 like what else can I do? I just got this huge paycheck, and maybe I'll be able to hold the titles I used to watch as a kid. You know, uh, for, even for Kenny, for that matter. But him, less likely because of the fact, like you just said, he lives in Japan. I mean, he's still young. I think he's like thirty two, thirty three. So, you know, they they hired AJ when he was, like, what, 38? They got plenty of time. Um, who knows? I love New Japan, so I don't want to see that many changes. I just – it's going to be crazy if, you know, with all the people that are rumored that, you know, um, trying to think, the Lucha Brothers between Pentagon and Ray Phoenix and then Kenny – uh, the Young Bucks, and then Shane Strickland's another huge indie name. It's just crazy. They're going for everyone. Like, I don't want anyone to have it. Sorry. Yeah. That's how I feel. But I mean, uh, I, so they they haven't ever won the the TNA titles, as far as I can tell from uh, from their little profile. Uh, but they probably. Don't. I, I can only. I can't. I just can't see them splitting apart from Kenny, like. At this point, I, if they go, I think it'll be an all-or-nothing thing, and that'll probably be the way that they talk to WWE about that. Is we want to have a prominent spot on the main roster, we don't want to do the NXT thing, and we want to come in together uh, as like a faction. That would be my guess. Otherwise, it, it doesn't make sense for them to leave because they're going to lose money on merch um, more than likely. Yep. 
especially if they want to rebrand them and not call them the Young Bucks or something weird like that, then I think you would get get major. But hey, um, who knows? Like they they would be a huge draw. Maybe they will get the AJ Styles, more of an AJ Styles treatment than a uh, you know EC3 treatment. Hey, can we get the AJ Styles treatment? Hey man, you want the AJ Styles treatment? I'm from Gainesville. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, well, we kind of mentioned their names a second ago, Chris, but finally we have one of the big matches. Uh, I think I think they were saying this is the second to last match. The last match is going to be uh, for the MWA title. No, no, no. And then it's going to be Ray Phoenix, that whole tag match with the Bucks, and uh, Ray Phoenix and Ray Mysterio, and um, Konobushi and Bandito. But then also we got... The other big match on it, Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Jr. We just talked about this. We were speculating that maybe they were, they were going to be on different things. They could be in the Battle Royal. No, they're arguably, and it's probably my top three, I think that Pentagon's right after Okada. Um, they're arguably two of the biggest, if not the biggest, names in non-WWE professional wrestling. Uh, they both have a very fun style. They're both fun in the ring, uh, very athletic. They've gone against each other once, at least recorded, and that was the Elite and uh, Kenny going against, um, I think it was Pentagon, Drago, and uh, Ray Phoenix. Um, But I'm really looking forward to this match. Um, I really wish that Pentagon had, he just lost both titles. He had the Impact title, he lost that, and he's been feuding with Sammy Callahan ever since on Impact, and he lost the Lucha Underground title. It would just be really cool to have like a, you know, a, two champion match from two of the opposite places, if you will, uh, especially Lucha Underground because they, you know, Mexico versus Japan. Who doesn't want that to happen? I don't, I don't want them to have a war or anything. Don't. Anyways. Um, but, yeah. What do you think about this match, Chris? Are you looking forward to seeing it? And is Kenny going to beat Pentagon? Uh, man, that's a tough choice. Between Kenny and Pentagon, as far as who's going to win, I think it's going to be a great match. Uh, I I haven't seen that particular match you're talking about, but I am a huge fan of Pentagon and Kenny Omega, so I think you know that alone has got me excited about it. But I, I'm interested to see how their styles mesh um, in a singles match, and it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I guess if I had to pick one right now, I'm going to go Kenny Omega probably gets the win. But I think it's going to be a really fun match uh, either way. Yeah, should be pretty friggin' interesting. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to All In when I watch it on Sunday, the day after it airs, because I'll be at a wedding, and I will know all the match outcomes and stuff. God dang it. Anyways, let's move on to our next news item. It, it seems to me, Chris, um, you know, regarding his tweets, that Bray Wyatt might be in the midst of a repackaging. Um, the leader of worlds haven't done anything since they started on the fucking um, final deletion sort of. Um, and uh, Bray needs to get something going on. I mean, you know, he was greatest cult leader. Uh, looking a little bit all weird and um, then jumping to the satanic whatever. I don't even know if was it was the uh, 
was he a warrior for Chitulu? Is that what he was trying to go for? Was was he Satan? Didn't really make a lot of sense. I thought the Lake of Reincarnation was supposed to fucking reincarnate you, but I I I, I don't I don't know. All I would like to say is that if it's true, good. Repackage him. Repackage repackage the Wyatt family. When I first started watching wrestling again, um, when I went to Survivor Series in Atlanta a couple of years back, and I got to see the Brothers of Destruction, I was so happy to actually see The Undertaker. Uh, never happened before when I, went, when I was a lad. But uh, him and Kane destroyed the Wyatt family. But building up to that, I was watching, and I really enjoyed the Wyatt family. Like, you know, at one point in time, people were like, Bray Wyatt's one of the biggest heels in WWE and in professional wrestling. This whole thing's great. And to see what the fuck it's become over a couple years, it's just very strange. I don't know what they're going to do with Matt. I'm th- I think that he'll be fine. Maybe they can work on stuff with just him. But, Chris, are you intrigued by a repackaged Bray Wyatt? And what what element do you think they could do to him to make him stand out again? Oh, that's the hard thing, is I don't really know where you go with Bray. I think I think one great thing is that you know his Twitter the the whole thing that kind of sparked this conversation between me and you or, or earlier in the week is that he he basically said something new is coming my thoughts unfiltered I need a badass band to make a badass intro uh, for his I guess whatever his his next plans is or plans are I should say not is next plans is uh, whatever his next plan uh, is or plans are. Um, and then Matt Hardy had posted uh, shortly thereafter that the next day he said, thank you uh, for everything. Uh, my compere, I shall miss you. And he tagged that Bray Wyatt with him. It was a picture of Bray with uh, King Maxwell um, and Matt. So and that tag team looks like it's done. As far as what I would do with Bray, if it was me, uh, give him something, no nonsense. Just give him the music. Make him come back. He can cut promos and just be a straight badass. Give him more of a Samoa Joe thing. Take away some of the mystical element from him. See how that goes. Um, the guy can obviously cut a, a promo. Um, give him more of just a straight badass gimmick. Not necessarily so mystical. Take away the stuff that other people like from him, and that would make me like Bray Wyatt. Make him more of just a straight uh shit talker like a, like a not like you know just someone that's going to come out there and talk about how they're going to beat your ass like Samoa Joe does something more like that and then show us an aggressive side um, or think think like a Jake, more of a Jake the Snake and less of a Bray Wyatt <laughs> as far as how Bray handles his promos like we've said in the past give him something like that and then have him like really beat the hell out of his opponent like Bruiser Brody um, maybe brawl a little bit more be a little bit more violent um, as violent as you can be in WWE but I, I don't know – that's what I would do with Bray Wyatt. I don't think that's necessarily what they're going to do. I think that new musical help, I think maybe not having him appear and disappear so much, uh, go a little bit – I mean, you can still leave a little bit of you know mystique to him, but I think he, they need to get away from it. Because what, what inevitably happens is they – have another character that they think has mystique and then they immediately smash them together with Bray and it, it hurts both competitors. Um, so if you're not going to give him the Wyatt family, I think the best thing to do is just go completely away from it. Um, and just have him win a bunch of matches. Make him a badass. And, and make Cut promos about kicking someone's ass. Not about like Sister Abigail and 
how the people see other people as heroes when no one knows what the fuck you're talking about 90% of the time. Like, get away from that shit. Talk about beating people's ass. Be more of a just complete monster in the ring. Do monstrous stuff. Gouge people's eyes out. Like, do a good old back rake. Maybe, uh, maybe hit somebody in the head with a chair a or something. <laughs> do do some like grab the inside of their jaw and pull them around by it. Like I do something that would make me think of an, an early Cactus Jack or, or like a Vader or a Bam Bam or a Jake the Snake. Something more like something that puts you over as a vicious motherfucker. And then after you after you sell me on that, then it doesn't matter how weird you are. Because the thing about the Undertaker is. What people don't, when people think about the Undertaker, they think about you know the dead man and the 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 entrance and everything. Well, there was a while there where Undertaker was just tombstoning motherfuckers and putting them in body bags, like going after yep. Hogan. Like, there's a reason why that character got over. It wasn't just like, hey, I showed up and I'm mystical as fuck. Like, give him some wins, some important wins. Have him demolish some people, and uh, go from there. And I, I would say probably. I like Sister Abigail, but give him something. Uh, give him, give him a submission of some sort, something real mean looking. Um, maybe have him come back and break, you know, Matt Hardy's arm or whatever. If Matt's really talking about hanging it up for a while, because I know he's <laughs> going through some uh, injury stuff right now. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That that's what I would do. Obviously, I don't know that that's what WWE's going to do. I do think it's cool. I'm interested to see what a repackage of Bray Wyatt looks like. Um, I think the music, changing the music will go a long way because his music is very uh, synonymous with his character almost in the same way that, uh, well, just in general, like when you hear that music, you think of the Bray Wyatt with the lantern and all that, and I think getting away from that will help immensely. Like Bob Root and Glorious, I agree. Um yeah, it will be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I like, I like everything that you just said, you know, much more just weird. I mean, what he originally was, like the Waylon Mercy type of character, that, that, you know, weird Florida guy from the Everglades that's, you know, kind of nothing. You said Jake the Snake Roberts. I, I think that I completely um, – I could completely definitely see him doing much more just slower pace using his promo promo and um, his promo skills to kind of like, you know, be more direct, but scary, you know, kind of unhinged a little bit. Um, And just don't worry about the mystic shit. Make him be mystic because he delivers that presence, not because he talks to Satan and does fake fucking images uh, on, on video uh, floor, you know, led screens and shit. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, If you get him repackaged, you got him, you got Seth, you got Finn Balor, who could use a repackaging, obviously. We talked about Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, all the top guys. Roman Reigns, obviously, hopefully get that title away from Brock Lesnar. Um, and then you also have another pretty big guy who came back last uh, Monday Night Raw. At the end of it, Dean Ambrose came out. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, excited to have Dean back, man. Uh, uh, you know, Absence really does make the heart grow fonder. And I think that he looks jacked, like I said. He, he definitely looks not toned so much, but he just looks bigger, bulkier. Um, I would just – I know he's probably not shaving his head completely 
because he doesn't want to start with the whole fucking Steve Austin shit. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that leaves kind of a sour taste in his mouth, just because if you guys don't know, um, I, I definitely think that, that there's probably some influence. I know a lot of people push that a hell of a lot more than I see other stuff uh, in Dean than, than Steve Austin, but I get it. I get the comparison. But he was on his show, and Steve Austin kind of uh, ran him down a little bit towards the end, uh, just gave him some advice and some hard criticism, and uh, just kind of awkward. So I'm assuming for both the reasons of uh, the comparison in the past, he's not shaving completely. Um, just kind of extended that conversation way more than necessary, but that's all right. Uh, either way, I think that he looks awesome, like the beard. Um, kind of already talked about it. I like to see him screw over Seth. Uh but if they do decide to do what I think they're going to do and just have um, Drew win somehow and it becomes a tag team versus tag team element for a little while, whatever. Point is, happy to see Dean back. I wish this version got to go against Brock Lesnar. Probably wouldn't have been much of a different outcome, but he looks a hell of a lot more intimidating. Uh, Chris, are you happy to have the Lunatic Fringe back on Monday Night Raw? I am. I, I do... I, I've also made the comparison as far as when I was talking about what they could do with him, um, having more of like an Austin run, but I, I, you know, that just goes with just an anti-authority run in general. You, you could, you could go throughout time and pick out several of those, uh, as far as what I've talked about, but I, I want him to be a heel. Honestly, I really just think that he's always kind of been better at being heelish. Um, I would like, I would love to see some of the John Moxley, promos come out of him uh and i just for the love of god i've said it forever get him away from the rest of the shield and if it means that he's just constantly feuding with them that's fine but don't put them in tag teams together every six months it's it's old and it doesn't help i don't think that there's a rub there and i don't think it's that fans care about it as much as they did maybe four years ago three years ago I know I sure as hell don't. But yes, no, I'm I, excited. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree with the build stuff. I think that Roman's getting, I mean, I think that uh, this whole thing with, with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar and them building it like that has done better for Roman, even more so than when they got the shield back together right before Dean got hurt. I think that if they're if they're if people are going to get into him and shit like that, um, let it be this direction because maybe it would have been differently if the shield was still together and building off of that going into mania, but I don't think so. I think it was helping him, but that was nostalgia and not actually Roman getting over at all. But what do I know, Chris? Um, what I do know is I watched some fucking great wrestling from Japan for the last couple of weeks and I was able to uh, catch up on a lot of the good matches. Um, man, I guess we'll go over the stuff. Um, we're going to go over the, the uh, semifinal matches. Well, it's not really semifinal because it's all about points and everyone had theirs, but the guys that had the highest points in both divisions went against each other and the winners of that went for the finals. But either way, um, we had uh, first Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada and then Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi. Uh, Tanahashi and Okada, Chris, from I think the third of last night, uh, awesome match. Um, a lot of fun. It went to a time limit drop. This has some story within it because Tanahashi, I believe, has never beaten Okada. Is that the whole case, Chris? 
I think that's how they played it out. I'm not 100% sure, though. Uh, It's been... Yeah, it's been a couple weeks since I watched it, but they were definitely playing it out as Okada has had Tanahashi's number. They also were playing it out that Okada, it was a must-win for Okada. He needed to win, and he also needed uh, Jay White to lose for him to make the finals. Um, so a lot of the drama was built around, you know, him needing to lose, you know, or, or like uh, Okada needing to win and Jay White needing to lose for him to make the finals to have a chance at the, you know, winning the G1 and getting that title shot to get a chance to get his title back. That that was how I read it. Um, I didn't get to watch the English commentary version. I ended up watching the Japanese commentary version, so... Basically, the stuff that I saw with the English commentary was all highlights. So that's uh, I'm, I'm, that's what I remember from the storyline, but I, I could be could be wrong. No, I, I believe you are right, and uh, you definitely missed some fun commentary from Rocky Romero and Kevin Kelly, and this one other gentleman that I forgot what his name is, but he was more your historian, knew so much about New Japan, a lot of fun information. But Kevin Kelly. His inflections in his voice when he's like, the ring—it's like it's very impressive that he's able to keep with the momentum going on in the fucking ring uh, with his little things. But um, I do like Kevin Kelly; uh, good commentator. Uh, but yeah, this match though—if if you really look at, at it, it was both guys trying to take each other's legs out, basically. Like you know, a, a good portion of the, of the first half was Tanahashi trying to take out Okada's leg. And the, no, 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 I think it was Okada going for his, and then they switched it, I believe, until, you know, man, and they look so painful. Tanashi has started doing those uh, dragon leg screws uh, through the ropes and stuff like that and just destroying Okada. It's just a fun wrestling match. There wasn't a lot of, like, dangerous stuff so much, especially his, his, what, what happened with him and Kota Ibushi. Um, but it was a good match. It went to a time limit draw. And they were giving it to each other. It reminded me a little bit of the Iron Man match, the one that I'm most familiar with, with between uh, Brett and Sean, how they were just like just nonstop trying, and then it just went down to the end as a drop. Uh, but really, really enjoyed this match. I love uh, Kazuchika Okada. I love Tanahashi. Chris, how'd you like this? Match? Actually, my favorite match and throughout throughout the entire G1. I did get to watch the you know everything else finally. I'm I'm completely caught up. But when we were talking about this match uh, last week, I believe uh, I had said I had, I had said I you know it was it was one of the best matches. I don't know if it was on if we talked about it on air or off air, but it it was what maybe we talked about it over the weekend. Um, anyways, yeah. When I was talking to you about it, bleh, <laughs> whatever the hell it was, I. I this match was my favorite of the G1. I thought the back and forth was great. I liked the time limit draw because it didn't make Okada look weak. It sets up for another match between these two. They've already had three matches this year. This one probably being the best out of the three. Um, I thought it was just a good, clean wrestling match. And uh, the back and forth there towards the end, the last five minutes of that 30-minute match were pretty damn great. Um, I, I, I just... To me, it was the there wasn't a moment in the match that I didn't enjoy or was overly worried or um, like we've talked about in the past couple of weeks with there were spots that I didn't like. Um, I just 
I really enjoyed the match overall. Uh, I was a little sad to see Okada lose because I wanted to see him make the finals, but that's just more because, you know, Okada's my favorite. So that's just a, that's the fan in me. Um, but it was great seeing Tanahashi, you know, make the finals again um, and make it in kind of a, a fashion that made him and Okada both look strong and sets up, you know, matches down the line. So uh, it, it was probably, like I said, my favorite of G1. Yeah, and... um Actually, uh, Tanahashi is putting the contract on the line. He felt like that was the the most fair thing to do for Okada. So their match will be for this contract, I guess, for the main event at, at Wrestle Kingdom. So that's kind of a crazy little twist to throw in there. Um, who knows what's going to happen? I, I can't see them giving that to Okada, though. Uh, all right, the other match uh, the next night uh, was o- Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi, the Golden Lovers fighting... Uh, against each other ferociously. The thing that's fucked up about this match is these guys are actually best friends in real life. And they're playing two guys that are going into a competition against each other. That's, there's going to be a shoot winner, obviously. It's not storyline or anything like that. But they're beating the hell out of each other. And to the point where it's kind of getting sinister, like they're willing to like, you know, they never did it. But if they actually did some of the stuff that they were threatening doing, they would have broke the other guy's neck. It's like, Really? But the fucked up thing is, it's real to an extent. These guys are best friends. And, you know, I understand having trust, you know, they, like, like I said, uh, with someone you don't like or someone you're really good friends, you know, you have a hell of a lot more um, chemistry and, and trust, obviously, for your opponent. But when you're getting dropped on your neck, you're getting dropped on your neck. And they weren't nearly as bad as I thought they could be. I wish... There was one particular thing. Oh, I think it was a uh, spinning kick to Kenny's face that was just like he just nailed the shit out of him. Uh, that, that's what I remember. There, I don't remember exactly what happened. All I know, there were three times. Oh, one of them was Kota Bushi was put on Kenny's shoulders to do the one-wing angel, and Kota lifted his backpack and was trying to, you know, kind of maneuver himself around, and Kenny just dropped down, and Kota just went smack Head first, neck first, right into the ring. Uh, so, yeah, three spots. That one included where Kota just got destroyed on his neck. And then two two parts where Kenny just got completely clocked in the face. Uh, it, it's brutal. Man, you know, that's 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 some uh, – that takes some commitment is what I'm trying to say. Really enjoyed the match. Hard-hitting as shit. Didn't go too too crazy. You know, one would do, like, his moonsault off the second ropes, and then the other one would do it, and they would, like, you know, break out of that. And then one would, you know, he went and did the Terminator thing, flip over the ropes, and then Kota Ibushi did his little thing. It was it was really, really sequenced well. Very competitive match. A lot of fun. Rough uh, to watch on certain things. But uh, they got through it. And Kota won. And I was pretty surprised. So we're going to be getting uh, – that match later on, as, as, and uh, I'm assuming Ishii too. Does Yano get a, a, a match for the title, Chris? Does he beat Kenny? God, I hope so. That'd be awesome. Oh. <laughs> hey, well, what do you think about that match? I would be, I would be hyped. No, no, um, the, the Mabushi match. <laughs> no, I'm still talking about the Yano match. I'm waiting for that to happen. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, uh, the Ibushi match was great. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't like it as much as his match with Tanahashi, and I didn't like it as much as the 
obviously the Tanahashi Okada match, which I which I thought was the best of the tournament. Um, and I didn't like as far as Omega's matches. I thought Omega versus Ishii was uh, a better match overall. Yeah, um, I agree. Fun match. It was a little weird because they didn't play into. I guess it's building, right? So I, obviously you're building to a title shot down the road and, and the eventual implosion of the Golden Lovers, which has been a, a fun storyline. But uh, it was it was good back and forth. There were definitely some brutal spots, like you said. But uh, yeah, overall, I mean, it, it was a it was a good match. Um, not my absolute favorite, but definitely in in the top five of the matches I watched from G1. So it was it was still a really good match. And if you're wondering if you should watch it, you should you should give it a watch. Um, and definitely check out if I'm just giving recommendations. The Omega Ishi match was also really great. Um, so I, you know those. That's uh, trying to think if there was anything else, any other matches that came to mind. But those those are probably were probably three of my favorite matches. I know there's like there's a couple other that I'm probably leaving out. Um, How about Hiroshi Goto versus uh, Tomohiro Ishii? That was a fucking great match. Uh, yeah, that one was earlier in the tournament, right? Like it's, it was like three or four weeks ago. Nada. Or uh, Sonata versus um, uh, what the hell? Is it? it was uh, Sonata versus Kota Ibushi was a great match. Um, yeah, Kenny versus there was a lot of good ones. Let's get to the last one though and talk about that. We have the finals uh, now. Tanahashi obviously won, but it was Kota Ibushi versus Tanahashi. You had this this uh, you know with the American uh, commentary at least going on. They were talking about how you know Kota came. Straightened through everything, very much like how Tanahashi did, like, you know, right into the dojo and was trained. And that Tanahashi has always looked at Kota that he he reminds him of himself. So he's hard on him. And that uh, I don't believe Kota's ever beaten Tanahashi. I don't remember. There, there was another statistic that kind of added to the story element. But it was a great match. They beat the shit out of each other. You know, for his age, Tanahashi... Uh, man, he's like, what, I, I want to say he's 39, 40, maybe even older than that. Um, dropped on his head quite quite a few times by Mr. Kodobushi, including that same spot that he destroyed Nato with, with the suplex on the second ropes. The same thing to Tanahashi, but, man, those guys were able to put on a f- excellent performance um, and just give a great match. Tanahashi wins it, the ace, probably the most over guy in Japan, at least. Um just, you know, they're, they're John Cena, they're Hulk Hogan, they're Bret Hart, if you will. But, uh, Chris, how did you like this match? Uh, like I said, I thought, I thought it was a really good match. Um, the way they structured it with Ibushi just being brutal. Um, and Tanahashi sold for a good bit of it. So it kind of did pull this. The fans really got behind Tanahashi there towards the end of it. It was reminiscent of, like, an old 80s match almost. Um, in a lot of ways for me. And I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good match overall. Uh, there was like a, a spot where... where Tanahashi just looked absolutely just beaten. It was after like the... the was it oh, the dude. bomb? The Those bomb Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, it looked like Tanahashi sold it like he was dying, like he was done, like this is the end of his career, and then came back, and it was the comeback was so great, and it's I don't know, it was it was a it was almost like a, a like the end of Rocky, 
a little bit towards the end of that match where, you know, he breaks Apollo Creed's ribs <laughs> and he kind of gets the moral victory, um, except for he actually won. So I think, think Rocky Apollo Creed towards the end of that match. That's, that's kind of the feeling it gave me. I like that. I like that comparison. Well, either way, it was an amazing G1 and a lot of great wrestling. There are lots of websites out there. Um, you know, maybe I'll list it on Facebook and tell you guys which matches to watch. I think my favorite was actually either that last match. I hate to admit Naito versus Abushi, but that was an amazing match. And also probably Goto versus Ishii. Uh, Kenny versus Ishii was also amazing. But there was a lot of great matches. Looking forward to next year. Chris, we're at that point where we gotta we gotta wrap it up, man. We gotta not be a fool and wrap our t- wait. That's not. It. Anyways, uh, had a great show with you, sir. <laughs> uh, bye to the audience, and uh, you know, do whatever you gotta do. Just don't be weird. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a great uh, weekend, weekend, rest of the weekend, weekend. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can hit me at Chris R Patton. And uh, thanks everybody for listening, man. It was great talking wrestling with you, Dane. And it's always great talking wrestling with you, buddy. And everyone out there that's listening to us, definitely check us out, gvnation.com. That's the best in news for everything that we do. Uh, and check us out on Twitter, at Geek Vibes Nation, on Facebook, on Instagram. Join movement. And, uh, yeah, hoping that you're going to be back here, of course, next Wednesday. So you guys have a good one. And remember, not down with that. We got two words. Oh yeah! Break it down, All right, peace.